Let's get ready to rumble. Yes, we're back. It is episode 51. Haha, <laughs> 5 1. Woo! Uh, of the Hibs Ramble. Uh, it's Liam today, your host, joined by Sean and Mark. How the hell are we, lads? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. No great after that result yesterday, but we're still here. That is what it is. How about you, Sean? Uh, aye. I'm trying to let Hibs know, fight my mood, but it's, uh, it's hard, eh? It's hard for more that. It's again. very difficult. It's very difficult. Uh, to not let them affect your mood. <clears throat> Listen, it wasn't great yesterday, but one positive came out of it. I took my little girl Myla to our first ever Hibs game, and she really enjoyed it. She was going boo when everyone was booing the referee. She was clapping when we scored. She got right into it. And uh, aye, she'll not be back though because we got beat. Aye, bad luck charm. Um, yeah, bad luck charm. Bad omen. Cheers, Myla. Um, we'll take three points next time. Um, just before we get kicked off into the game again, listen, we want to say a massive, massive thank you to everyone who's uh, purchased a Leith 7 jacket, a t-shirt, a bucket hat, because I can now confirm that it is, for the second time, sold the hell out. That's incredible. Over 100 orders. Um, we've seen tracky jackies and t-shirts and bucket hats all over the place at Easter Road down in Blackpool. I'm sure, Mark, you'll see some over in Switzerland when you go uh, next week. But, no, that is absolutely insane. We've managed to sell it out twice. Um, honestly, it's it's a bit mental, really, uh, to, see, <laughs> to see all the tracky jackies in that. Eh? But, listen, let's move away from the positives and start on the negatives. <clears throat> Yesterday was a dismal, dismal display. Mark, lineup come out, um, and it was the same team that was meant to start against the uh, Inter Discaldes. Obviously, Marshall is back in goals. What did you think? Did you think that was the right call to go with the same team, or did you think he should have made a couple of changes? Um, I suppose when you go out and win a game six one, it's difficult to to come in and and make changes, but. There are a few elements that worry me. I still think that our midfield is a very, very similar midfield to what we've had for three years now, four years now, with Josh Campbell, JDH and Joe Newell in the middle. Um, Marshall and goals, I suppose, like, what do you do? You're not going to put Boric in. Marshall's your number one. So there wasn't there wasn't too many things that, that I would have changed. It didn't surprise me going with a very similar starting 11 to the one that won 6-1, but yeah, I think we've got we've got shades of a good side, shades of a good squad, but there's just still some positions I feel like we're are, are holding us back. Yeah, Sean, were you surprised to see Doyle Hayes, Campbell, and Newell again in the starting lineup, despite the fact that Lee Johnson said that they would never play together as a midfield three again? I didn't look past Marshall when I saw Marshall starting. I didn't even bother looking at the rest. <laughs> he turned the phone off. Turned the phone off. <laughs> put the phone down and uh, turned Hibs TV off. Uh, I don't even know where to begin with that midfield three um, and I don't think I will if I'm honest I think individually they're all really good technical players but the balance between the three sometimes even with two out of the three just isn't what doesn't we need. really work as a three I think if, if, there was, if it was a five 
then having those three in there would maybe be all right. But listen, not as a three, it just they just don't work as a three. And Lee Johnson even admitted that like way back it, it when. It didn't they work when we changed shape though? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No. It's, well, I mean, listen, I'm going to move I on to the first 20 more. minutes because it was it was a very, very tough watch for the first 20, 25 minutes. Their penalty, Mark, I, I know that you probably had a better view of it than I did because you sit a wee bit further along uh, towards the famous five. From where I was sitting, it looked like there was no contact at all. Yeah, well, I thought initially that the boy had actually tripped and I didn't think he was going to even claim for it. I just thought it was uh, he, he was in the box and he had slipped. His, his foot had went from under him. And then he just seemed, I don't know if you've seen him after it, he was shouting and screaming, slamming the floor. So obviously he felt contact. But what was bizarre was that play went on for it. It must have been a good two, three minutes. We actually had a, a shout for a foul ourselves up at their end. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, because they've made such a deal of it, he keeps going to the referee. I've seen it back. It's soft as shite. It, like, the fact that that in this day and age is a foul, and I know probably the rules of the game is that if there's any contact or whatever, but it's a million, it's a stud. It's the edge of a stud that's grazed his boot and he's went down. And if that's a foul, then dear me. Do you think, Sean, like the introduction of VAR, the introduction, sorry, of VAR last season, I think it did make, you know, a fairly positive change in uh, how the game was refereed. I don't think it's been incredible. There's obviously going to be some teething problems, but we are seeing, not even just in Hibs games, but we're seeing across the division, there's more and more instances of these ambiguous decisions being treated differently by the same people who are running VR. I don't quite understand. Listen, I get it. I get what Mark says. There's contact, and if there's contact and the boy goes down, then, you know, nine times out of ten, if the referee sees it on VAR, he's got to give it, really. But do you think it's setting a dangerous precedent, the fact that there's all these decisions that are either going one way or going another way and there doesn't seem to be any consistency? I think... <clears throat> we mentioned it loads of times last season about the fact that they were and you mentioned it as well yourself that they were using it as like a fail safe so like they wouldn't make the decision then and there and then they would use it to fall back on and vice versa if they thought in the time in the moment that it was like a clear red or a clear wall or a, whatever a clear penalty they would make the call and then they would use it as a fail-safe to go and have another look. Nine times out of ten, or almost ten times out of ten, um, they would overturn the decision that had or hadn't been made at that point when they went to view it. I know me and Craig disagreed in the chat about the award of the penalty. And I saw it, I saw the player's reaction at the time and I went off. Oh, like, I, th- I thought he had properly, like, clipped him or, like, Took his not took his leg away, but took it. Um, and then when you see the the replay back, like if VAR or the referees or whatever are meant to be there, especially VAR for clear and obvious decisions, I just don't get how. No matter, they I think they had two angles at it. Replayed both angles, and I don't think either one make it any clearer <clears throat> as to whether there is or isn't a touch. 
I think the more you look at it from one angle, it looks like there might be a clip, and then but from the other angle, it doesn't look like there's a touch. It just looks like John Neal's like swung his leg. What my concern was is the amount of mistakes that we had before the penalty leading up to it. Yeah, leading up to it. Um, I think obviously fair, fair play to Alan Delphia. He's trying his best in a position that he's getting asked to. We all would to to pull on the green jersey and play Easter Road, but. My concern is when he plays the throw in, there should be a shout from Marshall for like Will Fish to open his body and put it back across and then open up the play again and go out wide left. Or even for Joe Newell, when the ball comes back to Alan, when he's got his back turned, he should know, or even JDH was next to him, they should give him a shout that there's a man on, ball can then go into Newell and he can go back to Marshall and we can start again. St Mirren done that the whole game. In regards to trying to like pick on certain players and pressure them into making mistakes, whether it was Alan at one end or you ran at the other, um, and I just felt sorry for for Delphier as well that he found himself in that position and he wasn't helped by Fish, Marshall, or or Newell or even JDH to an extent. Yeah, I don't think he covered himself in glory though. In any case, <clears throat> which is a shame because you know we've seen Alan Delphier quite a few times now and I think we all agree that his best position is probably in the centre of the midfield and that holding six. So like you said, it's it's maybe it's maybe a bit too much too out of his depth to go and get him to play right back, especially just chucking him in at the deep end first game of the season. I mean, you can clearly see that the boy's got ability, but whether that's ability at right back, you know, I'm I'm not too sure. Um the answer though I'm not I'm not convinced of anyone really. I mean, I think it would be the exact same to then chuck in Megwa. I think it would be harsh, you know, if 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 Megwa had, you know, a subpar performance, then that might, you know, have a, a, a detrimental effect for for the rest of the season. You know Megwa doesn't do subpar performances. I know, I know, but I get your point. I just he's he's more he's like how injured is Lewis Miller? Like he's been on the bench. Like how injured can he actually be? Well, this is this is my this is my opinion is that if you're fit enough to be on the bench, you're fit enough to play the ninety minutes. See, like, I would I, I wouldn't go as far as the ninety minutes, but you're fit enough to play a part. I just I feel bad for like Mega who put in an outstanding performance and a very young uh, side down at Blackpool, albeit it was in the centre of the defence. He knows the right side uh, back to he knows the right side of the park whereas Alan Delphia is more of a central player like you said a six so why are we relying on him at right back instead of oh look a right back that we have on the bench like do you know what I mean if Lewis Miller isn't 100% to play 90 minutes then cool like how far can he play can he play 45 can he you know play 60 minutes that's up and down that no even that Sean but if if... just play Megua I just it, it yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. If Lewis Miller isn't fit enough to play a part in the game, then take him out the squad completely and put Meg on the bench. But listen, enough, enough of that. We'll move on to the second goal, which was a matter of, felt like a matter of seconds later. Um, Josh Campbell bullied in the middle of the park. The ball breaks. There seems to be, you know, a lack of, a lack of trust between Fish and Hanlon, a lack of communication, Mark and the boy, I, I can't. I don't, I'm not even going to try and pronounce the, the boy's name, but he was. I thought he was electric. He was, he was brilliant phenomenal. in the first half. Um, latches onto it, and it's it's a really really tidy finish. 
and we find ourselves 2-0 down and you're thinking this could genuinely be five or six at this point. <clears throat> yeah, to to change the pace a wee bit from talking about Hibs, I'm going to talk about St Mirren briefly because I thought they were brilliant. Mm-hmm. I thought, see that first half, I thought that's as good a performance a team can come and put, put in at Easter Road outside the old firm. Thought they talk about like mistakes and all that, but they've obviously done their homework about who Delphier is. They might have even talked about before the game that he's maybe not in a natural position because they picked on him, they picked on Josh Campbell, they picked on Yuan, they picked on certain players that they knew were vulnerable and they put a ton of pressure on, they pressed us up the park really well, they were quick in their counter-attacks, were well organised. Whenever we had the ball at the back, they let us have it at the back and then as soon as we went past the halfway line, they pressed us right up and forced us into mistakes. And then that second goal was, I mean, they always say that, you know, you're quite vulnerable after you've conceded or scored a goal. So to score straight after, I thought, fair play to them. That first half, as bad as we were, I thought they were also yeah. brilliant. But, I, think, yeah, I think you do need to give them credit, 100%. Uh, I think it's kind of a trademark of a Stephen Robinson team. We've seen it when he was at Motherwell. You know, he, he organises his, his teams well. I think he's been even better since he's been at um, since he's been at St Mirren. I think he's a really good coach, and uh, you know he he does obviously very well on you know compared to us and Hearts and Aberdeen, basically a shoestring budget. So you, know, you do have to give them credit where it's due. We're going to half time two 0 down, and Sean, were you thinking we can get back into this, or did you think that there was a chance, or? you know, on the way that we're playing? I thought, I mean, no, I didn't. I didn't think we'd get into it at all. Like, based on a Lee Johnson's hip side going off past performances, no, I, I really didn't. I did want us to get uh, Lefondre on a bit earlier. Um, I kind of wanted us to just kind of go for broke, if I'm being honest. Take Stevenson off, put a beat at left back, bring on, like, Melkerson, albeit it doesn't offer a whole lot, just from another attacking sense, to feed off like Lafondra and Deutsch. Um I understand the boil change as well when it happened, but yeah. no, at half time, I no, I didn't, I didn't see us getting getting back into it at all. And what did you think of the changes after like half an hour or something, whatever it was? What did you think of that? I was, I was actually. <laughs> I was down in the concourse having a wee wander with Myla because she was getting a wee bit fed up. And uh, I took her down and it, it was when Marshall was down and I was thinking, oh, here's Marshall injured again. And uh, I was wandering about in the concourse with Myla. And uh, it said, uh, Barry went, change for Hibs, coming off the field is number 32, Josh Campbell. And I lifted her up and I ran right back and I was going, no, keep him on. Keep him on the park. I understood why he took him off. Um, I just thought it was bold. I thought it was a bold decision from Lee Johnson and one that on perhaps another day it could have it could have worked, it could have paid off. He had to do something, he did do something. And given the personnel that was on the bench, could he have done an awful lot more? Really? Yeah, I think it's one of them where he's almost damned if he does, damned if he doesn't, because you've got people who are saying, Oh, why would you make a change half an hour in? That's you admitting that you've got the team wrong, blah, 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 blah. But those same people, if he had left it till after half time, are the exact same people that say, well, why didn't you make the change earlier? We need somebody that's going to make a decision in the big moment. So 
I agree with the change, although it is, and I think he's even said that it's almost admitting that he did get the team selection wrong, but mm. I'm still glad that he made the changes. I'd rather him make the changes then and there. I just, I really did feel sorry for uh, young Del Ferre because to get hooked after, I knew he was going to get hooked. If it wasn't earlier, it would have been half time at least that he would have got hooked because he made, I think he went about five or six passes in a row or, or incomplete passes in a row. Would even yep. put it out of the park or gave it to a St Mirren shirt. Um, but I, I think fair enough. At least he's bold, at least he's done it, at least he's made the change rather than just sitting on it until half time. No, absolutely. I think exactly like you said, Mark, damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. You know, he's he has made the change and you know, you feel at the time it's maybe a positive change. You know, he's trying to change the shape, he's obviously wanting to then go and attack. Uh, attack St Mirren, Sean. I don't know how it looked from the from the telly, but it, I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. My concentration wasn't really on the football. I was more bothered about getting Peppa Pig on the iPad for the Bairn. But um, how how did it look? Like, how did that then change the way we played for the rest of the half? I just we didn't. I didn't see much of a change. I saw obviously a change in shape. But we just seemed to go longer more often. Um, and just try and started to chase the game a lot earlier as well. Um, the stream kept buffering as well, so the quality of the match, the quality of my stream probably was just as bad as the quality of the, the match that you were seeing. Um, I just, as Mark mentioned about loads of misplaced passes, like we, we couldn't string any passes together, never mind just Alan Delphier, like Joe Newell, Doyle Hayes, Stevenson, Hanlon, like simple five-yard passes. There's loads of balls that got played out wide to Eli Yuan that were short um, for the middle, like for the midfield three. Um, and it was just really, really frustrating. It was clear that even then we were going to struggle to get anything out of the match. So I didn't really see much of a change. They must have got a ball looking at, at half-time and, and rightly so because we came out with a bit of fire in our belly. We did come out with a wee bit of fire in our belly, but listen, I thought it was still a nothing game up until we scored. Like, St Mirren were happy, and it looked like we were happy to just be involved. Um, Obviously, we get the goal uh, just after 70 minutes. I thought it was a really good run from Dodge, uh, and then Big Alf in the middle. It was a really nice ball. Really, What's really good finish. Really good finish. Yeah, really good finish. It felt, like it, took, it felt like it took about five minutes to trundle on at the back of the net. I say that um, in, uh, in Mark and I's group chat um, with some of the boys that Adam LaFondra is one of these players that he's, he's not going to be your, your star signing, your, your star forward, but chances are with the experience that he's got, I mean, the, the boy Ken's where the net is and he's probably going to get us seven or ten goals this season. Um it's. I, th- I think he's he's going to be a really big player, you know, coming off the bench and especially in these big moments when we need someone to do something. It was great from Dodge and an even better finish from Lafondra, and I was delighted for him to get off the mark because you know you don't want a striker to be to be you know going five six games competitive games without scoring, and uh, so it's good that he's off the mark and like you said it was a tremendous finish. Brilliant goal. Do you know what? I was actually really surprised that it went in because I thought, so at first when Deutsch put it in, to put that pass in is so difficult because you've got 
have the perfect position in behind the defender, but in front of the goalie, but still got enough pace on it to make... You know what I mean? There's so many aspects that can go wrong. I thought, oh, you've played that far too early. Absolutely perfect pass. And I thought that's still a really difficult finish. And he's managed to get in the bottom corner. So I thought that was a brilliant goal. But do you know what? Fair play to Dodge because he was I my man great, yeah. far. And he, he looked like a man playing for his jersey because Lee Johnson essentially came out and said that he's he's not in his plans yet. He started the last two games. For me, that's like Terry Butcher-esque. Like mm-hmm. telling a man that you... And it's that is credit to Dodge's character. The fact that he's still putting in absolutely everything, running for every ball... And he thought he was the only real one that offered us anything, you know, in terms of his aerial presence. He got the assist, he got his goal. He worked his absolute backside off for the full 90 minutes. So, fair play to him. Yeah, I thought he was great. Um, I said in his post-match as well, Sean, he said he's turned down offers to leave, like Mark says. Obviously, he wasn't in the plans for this season. I think it says as much uh, being stripped of the number nine jersey. Um when it comes down to it, he said he loves playing for Hibs and he wants to fight for his place here. That's the kind of attitude that we need from the players to be at this club. And I don't see why then, why we would try and ship him out the door when he's got that attitude. And he's clearly got the he's, he's got the knack of finding the back of the net. We've seen it for the past three or four years. Um, when he's played for Hibs, you know, he's he's got, I don't know, maybe about 30 goals in, in his time at Hibs-ish. In all comps, so you know, I don't understand why then we would be looking to move him on. I don't think I, I can't even see that we would get a, a big fee for him. I'd sooner get Elkerson at the door, to be honest. Want to accept mediocrity and try and improve our team, I guess, would probably be my shout. I know, but is he mediocre? Yes, I think he's a good squad player. Well, I think, I think he's definitely a good option to have. I mean, if you look at I love him to beat, I love him to beats, I love him to pieces, but. Harry McCurdy, you know, no one's saying, oh, we should be looking to move him on. I can't, he's injured and he's got his health problems at the moment. But, you know, surely Christian Dodge has got more credit in the bank than Melkerson, McCurdy, Tavares, people like that. Yeah, but you're still listing players that we should be looking to move on, though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know, I, I get it. I, I do get it, but... I, I think, think we have to move on. He's, I think he's good to have in and around. He's wrong. Like his, his attitude is great, and and he's 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 been our best player so far this season. But that the reason for that is because of how below par a lot of other people have been, and the fact that he's been given a chance because uh, Dylan Venti was away doing his standard grades at the weekend. You know what I mean? But he would have been. I know, but listen, he, he he was given he was given a chance. I mean, if we decide Dylan Venti or not, and regardless of the fact that he, he wasn't eligible to play, he still had to then like he still got to take that chance. Grabbed it, got an assist, got a goal. Well done. We managed to get zero points at the game, and we were on our way to getting signed at the game. Until no, but we're we're not. Back. No, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about his performance and trying to, you know, I think he's he's got more than enough credit in the bank to be given another shot at Hibs. I thought, um, I was saying it to my old man, I thought it was pretty poor the way that he was shipped out to Kilmarnock last season, you know, a struggling Kilmarnock side. And I didn't feel like he could really make an impact there. Rather than, I felt like it was a bit of a lack of respect towards Christian Deutsch, given how much he'd given to the the club in his time here. But um, no, I'd be more than happy. I think he's massively underrated, 
I really yeah. do think he's massively underrated. I, I don't think he's like he's no going to score you a world day for forty yards, but he like see what he offers in terms of holding the ball up and winning everything in the air. It's something that we don't have in any other players. He's so I think he's he's like his IQ. He's really intelligent on the park and. Like I said, he's not going to be our star striker. He's not going to be starting every single week, but I certainly think he can offer it, especially if we're chasing a game or even if we're holding on to a lead. He's going to give you something that a lot of strikers kind of give you in terms of that physical holding up the ball, bringing in players like Boyle and Yuan and whatnot. And Absolutely. he was just unfortunate that the Hibs team was really poor because if we had been on our, like playing well, if everyone else around him had played up to the standard of Deutsch, not only would we have won, but Deutsch could have got himself an, another goal or, or another assist or whatever. Absolutely. And he finds himself in all those positions. Like, I agree with Mark in regards to his footballing ability upstairs. Um, he has obviously lost a bit since his injury. Um, there's a, there is, it's no coincidence he finds himself in that position. I just think that we need to be doing better. Um, and that's no, it. We, to be fair, Doidge is the least of the problems at the moment. Do you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. I mean, I don't think our priority should be shipping Doidge out the door. Our priority yeah, should Melkerson. be... I'd, I'd get rid of Melkerson now. Even, I think Melkerson could do well, even just alone. But, I mean, I think it was a bit far-fetched, the fact that he went out to Sparta Rotterdam last season in the Eredivisie. I mean, I think that was... Games. Uh, yeah, I think that was far too high far too high a standard for him to then make an impact. He needs to be going to Scottish Championship. He needs to be playing in Scotland to then be effective in Scotland. IMO. Do you think? Yeah. Like a Livingston. Livingston? Oh, no, I know on that pitch, man. I suppose he's just to the plastic pitches, you know? Livingston or Dunfermline and keep him local. But he'll probably, it depends on whether he's going to learn more by doing that or learn more from Adam Lafondra. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Listen, we're going to move on to the next goal. It was a wee bit of pinball in the box. Um, and I've not actually watched the goals back because I can't be bothered. But, uh, you know, a, a bit of pinball in the box and it's just one of these ones and it, it, it falls to dodge. And it's a, it is actually a, a fairly decent finish. The fact that he manages to get it past the goalie. And then, and then at that point, I was thinking there's only one winner here and it's it's Hibs and we're going to it's got Hibs winner written all over it and I think we probably could have got there but for committing far too many men forward and getting hit on the break I know it's cliche but I mean how many times do you see it how many times can it go either way when you throw everything up and you can either go and get the winner and win the game but there's always a risk that you're going to get caught in the counter-attack and Again, I have to give uh, St Mirren their flowers because I tell you what, in terms of counter-attack, that was phenomenal. I think there was maybe three passes for the goalie up until the, the goal was scored. Like, if you're a coach trying to coach a, a counter-attacking move to your players, you should show that goal because mm-hmm. everyone from the goalie passing up, right, direct up the pitch and in an unbelievable cross. Don't get me wrong, it's poor defending, like, admittedly, but how many times do you see a scenario like that when it can go either way? When you throw caution to the wind, there's always a risk that you're going to get caught and that's exactly what happened. It's just, it's football, isn't it? It's just one of these things. Yeah. It looked to me, Sean, that St Murn had already played half a season. That's how sharp they were. It's like even going into the, the final few minutes, they were so sharp. It was an excellent uh, cross into the box. A brilliant header. 
And uh, you know, you hate to see it. You hate to see obviously last minute winners against your own team at home. But you know, even if we had had the, the defenders and the players back, I'm not too sure there's an awful lot we, we actually could have done about it. I think the, the, the ball in the box, like you said, is is a brilliant ball in the box. The, the delivery is pinpoint. It's just a shame that that it was Dylan Levitt, I think, eh? couldn't have done more to cross the ball. Um, so there's maybe a wee bit on him for that. don't know if I'm being too harsh to stop the cross, not necessarily the quality of the cross. Um, what kind of frustrated me was the lack of communication between Jago, Fish, and I'm not in any way, shape or form saying Hanlon's at fault here, but like just the reading of the game between the two, maybe even the three of them, or even Marshall as well, because Jago's caught between two minds. Obviously, Hanlon's coming back, doesn't go to the front post. And again, I'm not blaming Hanlon here. But then Jago, because of the way Hanlon's getting back, Jago doesn't know, do I go front, do I go back? So maybe Will Fish should be able to try and read that situation a bit better and maybe give Jago a shout, or vice versa. Jago can give someone else a shout, or Marshall could maybe try and read it and try and just get in a better position. Because he goes to go one way, goes the other, and then all he does is just does a wee pivot, and then he's in between the two and can't even stop the cross. So um, it was it was very frustrating to see, and I do think that if the shape was better or there was a bit of communication better in the middle of the park, then the header could have been prevented. See, just on that, Sean, I'm just wondering, would you blame Hamlin, Hamlin or not? I'm not too sure if you would or not. <laughs> I seen someone slating. Paul Hanlon for it, and it baffled me. It's just always the same. As soon as we lose a game, you could, it's it's the most predictable script in the world. As soon as we lose a game, all you have to do is jump in online, and the two names you'll see are Stevenson and Hanlon. Like it's just yeah. so predictable. It's just um, just final couple of bits on on that St Mirren game. You you touched on Levitt there, uh, Sean. I thought when Levitt came on, he actually looked pretty decent. He was trying to make things happen, get the ball forward, try and be a, a little bit more direct. I think he is maybe a player that will that will come out of his shell a little bit more the the more the season goes on. I'm not too sure we can rely on him completely at this moment in time, but there is definitely a very, very good player in there. Yeah, I don't think we can rely on him in, in the sixth position, which is where I think we're going to be playing him quite a lot. And my concern with that is... Is he then just going to fall into the trap of, you know, being a hindrance to the other two that are there, and vice versa? And then, lo and behold, we have the same issue again, where yep. balance isn't isn't right between the three. Do you know what I mean, I would like to see instead of like a four-three-three, just well, like, came on like in two, the ten. Three, one and put Levitt a bit further forward and a bit more creative. He came on in the ten against uh, Inter Descaldes, though, didn't he? Aye, but what I'm saying, that's where I think he should be playing. That's the quality that I think he has, and he has the ability to play there. And then I think it's just a case of trying to get the balance either side of him correct, or even putting someone that's more of a holder on their own, whether it be Alan Delfier or Jago or Newell or GDH on their own, and then play like Levitt and Campbell further forward. So it's more like a 4-1-4-1 kind of thing. So you've got Yuan, Boyle on either side, striker up top, and then like Levitt and another attacker in there as well, and just try and get forward a bit more. Because I felt like all the games that I've watched of Hibs so far this season, apart from the, the home leg, where obviously we scored six goals, we just didn't seem to be able to break teams down properly or create enough 
once we got over the halfway line, which was very concerning. And I think Levitt has that creative ability about him, where once we're in that final third or over the halfway line, he has that pass about him. Um, and I get the whole deep-lying playmaker bit and playing long balls and spraying it about there, but I just think he'd be a bit better further forward. Um, in the Scott play, Allen sort uh, of role. Kind of. I thought he looked poor yesterday, to be honest. Do you think so? Didn't, uh, I, I, I don't, don't remember him doing anything. I don't anything, the world but there was a couple of instances where I thought he got his foot on the ball. He was trying to make things happen, and you could see that he's got that, he's got that vision to then slip that ball through. It does remind me a little bit of Scott Allen. Uh, a little bit. <clears throat> but, um, I mean, I think you could have put anyone in that midfield and they probably wouldn't have made an awful lot of an impact yesterday. Just quickly, uh, a very, very quick answer from the both of you is, is Lee Johnson's job under pressure now? From the fans, yes. From the I board. Think, yeah, I think, yeah he's, I think he's always under pressure from the fans. I think any manager's always under pressure. It's always the same when you lose a game, there's always a huge portion of fans that say, oh, get him out the door, whether it's Lee Johnson, Jack Ross, Sean Maloney, it doesn't matter who it's been, it's always a huge pressure as soon as we lose one game. But I, I don't think he's, yeah, like Sean said, I don't think he's under pressure from the board. I think it's the fans. But in saying that, if we go on and lose to Motherwell and get knocked out of Europe, then it's a really tough start to the season. And... What really worries me is when you start the season poorly, it's really hard to recover from that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it gets you off on the, the wrong foot. Considering, you know, we looked and said, oh, we've not really got any difficult games until October. If we can't win the, these games and Motherwell and all that, then what can we really expect from the season? Exactly. Exactly. But we do have Europe on Thursday, lads, back at Easter Road. Um, Mark, will you be sitting in the famous five lower with Block 7 again? No, I, no. Felt like I was being robbed. I kept getting told to put my hands up the last time I was there. So I just. I was fucking knackered. I'm too when old. It was brilliant. Jesus. They've done an amazing job. They've done a really, really good job. But I'm looking forward to seeing them now for the West End rather than being in the middle of it. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, it, and they, they were brilliant. And from the pictures that I've seen uh, of of last Thursday, it looked great with all the flags and stuff, albeit we couldn't really see the game for the flags, but you know, that's the price you pay. If you if you stand in the singing section, you're gonna to have to stand behind a flag, more than likely. Um <clears throat> I I was I've been told that the noise was good. Um Sean, you were sitting in the east, were you? Uh, no, I was I was watching the house. So I had the uh, Oh, you were watching the house, you were watching back. Sunday in well, the house. Are you, had, are you uh, going to bother nah, going on Thursday or what? Nah, I'm not. I'm not going. I'm surprised that you've even turned up tonight to talk about it. I didn't, didn't want to, if I'm honest. <laughs> You're not I going really, on Thursday? Really, yeah, I'm just being honest. I really, really did not want to. I'm rapidly falling out of love with football. <laughs> You're right. Insert it here. <laughs> uh, nah, something came up on Thursday and I only caught the last three minutes of the game. The last so three I, minutes? The last, and then it was added on time. Yeah, by the time I got in the house, I then had to go back out again. Uh, then they get back until like, yeah, last three minutes. So I missed missed all of it. Just caught the highlights. Missed all the good bits. Um, is there? So, <laughs> aye. So me and Mark will be returning to our humble seats in the in the west lower in the Prawns Brigade for Thursday, and we'll be thankfully sitting down. My my legs. 
I don't think could take another week of standing for 90 minutes. See the first five minutes, really. Oh, this is Barry. This is class. And then, like, as the game wore on, you know, getting to 75, 80 minutes, I was kind of like, oh, fucking hell, I'm knackered here. I was like, I can give you my voice, I can sing, but I can only give you my arms. And they kept going, if you're no bouncing, you're no hibs away. And me and my we just, bend- just kept bending our knees. We're like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I've not got the knees to do that anyway, regardless of how tired <laughs> I was. No, but um, yeah, so uh, Lucern <clears throat> on Thursday. Mark, can you take me through the changes tactical, personnel-wise that you would make for Thursday? I think I would probably start Miller if, if he's fit. I'd go back to a back four with Miller, Stevenson, I suppose, Hamlin and Fish. Um, I would probably take out Josh Campbell and put in Dylan Levitt. I'd love to take JDH out, but I don't really know who replaces him, to be honest. Unless you put Campbell in his place and then put Levitt a bit further forward and then hopefully, I don't know, is Venti ready to play yet? He's in contention, according to... I don't know. Oh, is he, is he? He said it in his interview. Yeah, one of one of his many interviews that he done after the match. Right. Uh, he mentioned that he's in contention, so he must have passed his his, his exams. We well, could even try something different and put like Yuan in the hole and then play um, like Boyle and Doidge up front or Boyle and Lafondre up front, something like that, rather than playing two wingers because we had no success whatsoever playing two wingers. Mm. I think it's absolutely. You said it earlier on, Mark. It's absolutely vital that we at least take a draw from this game over to Switzerland, at least at least a point going into the next leg, you know what I mean? Um, it's if, if we lose, I think we're fucked. Uh, if we draw, we give ourselves a chance. If we win, we give ourselves a huge, huge, huge chance. Um, I'm a ha- I've had a little look uh, at Lucerne. I don't know an awful lot about them. I had never heard of them until a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they play in the Swiss League, Sean, and they are currently, I'll tell you exactly where they are, after three games, they sit seventh. seventh. Mm-hmm. They've won one, drawn one, lost one, um, and they've got a goal difference of three. They finished they, fourth last year. They finished fourth last year. I mean, that, and that's in a, a league that has, what, Young Boys, St. Gallen, Basel, they finished ahead of St. Gallen, Basel, Grasshoppers, Grasshoppers, and FC Zurich. So, I can't. Could you could you fail them in uh, under no mugs? Under ah, I think so. Hopefully, we've uh, learned our lessons for the first leg of the last round. It's clever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've had a look at their squad as well, and the only player that. <clears throat> I actually recognise as the boy Max Meyer, who I believe Sean used to play for at Crystal Palace. I recognise that name. I think he did. Yeah, Schalke. I think Schalke is really played for. Having a look at him here. Yep, German played for Schalke and Crystal Palace. Fantastic ball knowledge from you. As expected. Yeah. That's the only, and I think that's only just from FIFA career mode that I know that that's who he's played for. <laughs> Because I think he used to be half decent when he was really young. Um, that's the only player that I recognise from from their side. And like 
exactly like you said, I hope we've learnt our lessons that we don't underestimate them. I think <clears throat> Lee Johnson and the players would probably be going into this fixture mark anyway with a little bit a little bit more, you know, I don't want to say care because I feel like they still cared in the first leg against the Andorans, but they're maybe going in with a little bit more awareness that we actually need to turn up here and and give these Swiss boys a right good doing. Yeah, I think as well, now that the, the season's officially started, it no longer feels like pre-season as well, whereas I think the Andorans, because of the level of opposition, the time of the year it was at, we hadn't even kicked off normal season. I think it felt like a pre-season um, friendly, whereas this is obviously a major step up in competition. So we know that if we show up like we did in the first leg of the Andorans, we'll get absolutely turned over. And I think knowing that, obviously ups the level of concentration for the players and the staff and all that kind of stuff. So I think, like you said, it's so important that we don't get beat at home that we give ourselves a chance going into the away leg. Because I fancy us to probably put in a better performance over in Switzerland than I do at Easter Road, to be honest. I always feel more confident away from home. But if we give ourselves a chance, I'm not saying that you know we need to win the game comfortably or that, but just a narrow lead or even a draw going into the second leg, I think just gives us a good chance. Yeah, we, we just need to make sure that we set ourselves up for going over there and not and the tie not being over. You know, if we go over there two 0 three 0 down, then we go over and it's you know it's a dead rubber, really, isn't it? Like we're not going to turn them over in the in the own backyard. Chances are, if we're going to if we're going to go through, we're going to have to do a lot of the legwork on Thursday night. Sean, I don't know how you feel about it. Would you have rather to be at home first or away first? I think considering the level of opposition we're playing at. I'm I'm normally a massive fan of at home second leg, but considering the level of opposition that we're up against, I think playing at home is probably the better option in this instance, especially after the result of the weekend. Um, I think if we had not had any issues whatsoever in the last round and we had won at the weekend, then I think maybe going away would have been all right, you know, because we were on a high, we hadn't had any issues in the previous round. We could have went there and maybe tried to shut up shop Martin Boyle and Ellie Yuan, two wide outlets, and went more like a 5-3-2 and just punted it long to them to run on. We might end up doing that on Thursday, but I think I actually think we need to win on Thursday to stand a chance. I don't think if we go over there, I think it'll be very, very difficult to, to either stop them scoring or, or outscore them on their own patch. So, listen, I hope we... We do play like Eli Yuan and maybe Boyle up top, maybe the two, and I and try and sit in deep at Easter Road and try and catch them. I, but I do think that we need yeah. to, to get the win. Exactly. We we need our best players on the pitch because our best players on the pitch are going are going to give us the best result. I was just sitting here thinking, there, Mark. Do you think? <laughs> do you think? think the fact that, and this is going to sound stupid. It's going to sound like a real stupid thing, but I'm going to say it anyway. Do you think the fact that we got beat against the Andorans away and we got beat on Sunday there, do you think that then gives us an extra level of, one, motivation, but two, concentration and making sure that we don't want to be in that position again? Do you think if we'd have, if we'd have comfortably beat Inter away and we'd have beat St. Uh, St. Martin yesterday, I don't know, 2-3-0, 2-3-1, 
do you think that would have then false like, sense of security? Aye, like drink complacency could they creep in? I think now that there's no complacency in the squad because they know that if they don't play well, they will get beat. Yeah, I think it's a reality check, and I think almost in a way, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm glad we got beat yesterday, but um, I think we suffer from arrogance. I think we're a real arrogant team, and we've no right to be arrogant at all. And I think there's often times where we do show up, and we just think we can, as long as we show up, we can get the win. And I don't know if that's because Lee Johnson's an arrogant man, or if that's just the way we've been for a while, but I think yesterday will give us a reality check that if we come up against a well-organised side and don't play to our best, then we'll get turned over, which is exactly what happened in that first 45. So I'm hoping that it's given us a bit of a wake-up call to think, right, we need to be on the ball, like you said, concentration for the get-go. Knowing fine well is we're coming up with a better side in St Mirren on Thursday. You know, this is a proper European team that's done well in a, a, a much more difficult league than, the, than Scottish football. So... Yeah, I agree. I think it does hopefully give us a bit of a kick up the arse. Yeah, it, it sounds mental to, to say it out loud, but you know, you, you're kind of hoping that we can turn those negatives into positives, Sean. I'm, I'm not too sure how you feel about it. No, I completely agree. Very, very valid point. Um, and I hope, pray to God that that you're right. And I hope that they they do turn it up because we've not really got out of first, maybe even second gear at times. Um, yeah, very, very tough team selection for Lee Johnson. Um, huge Absolutely. team selection for him. And listen, lads, if we go through Aston Villa, Aston Villa, I'm not too sure if the if the first leg would be at home or if it would be at Villa Park. I didn't I didn't watch the draw today, so I'm not too sure who was first out of the pot. But at the, at the moment, unless there's a change due to Hearts being drawn at home, at the moment, on the 24th, we would be at home. And then on the 31st, would be down at, at Villa Park. We that would be some tie. Down at Villa Park. That would be some tie if we can get there. And it's a big if. It's a big if. I don't want anyone going, oh, the Hibs ramble or saying that Hibs are going to beat Luzerne and I'm not saying that at all, Sean, because I don't want to become I don't want to be clipped and displayed all over uh, the internet saying absolutely ridiculous things. But Villa, that would be some time, Mark, eh? Incredible away day. I reckon we'll take, if we do end up getting through, I reckon we'd take about 10,000 out of Birmingham. Yeah. Honestly, we'd take an absolute squad. That would be a special, special away day. I think we'd get absolutely turned over spectacularly, but um, it will still be one for the, the books because they're oh. a top, top. I re- my bold prediction to one of my mates I always make a bold prediction for the English season and my bold prediction this season is that Aston Villa will finish in the top four of the English Premier League. Really? I think they're that good. So I think... Under Unai Emery, they'll probably win the conference as well. They could. They're proper contenders to win the whole thing. So yeah. we probably Especially couldn't have bought after West Ham last season. Yeah, he's a European master as well, but we probably couldn't have got a tougher tie. But you know what? That's what European football is all about having, you know, a, a good trip down to Villa or whatever and just making the most of it. You've seen Hearts in fairly recent years when they played teams like Spurs and Liverpool and whatnot. Like, that's mm. that's where you want to be. So, we'll make a go at it. But we need to get past Lazare first, which is no easy feat. Absolutely. No, it's no easy feat. I came across a tweet earlier on, and I'm going to ask you both 
Um, I'm not too sure if this is if these are the only players to have played for both Hibs and Aston Villa. But there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's eight players on this list. I've seen the tweet. Seen the tweet. Right, you've seen the tweet, so you're not allowed to answer. But Mark, how many of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven? How many of the eight players that have played for both Hibs and Aston Villa do you think you could name? One. <laughs> I think I think I could have I think I could have named four that's on that list before I seen it. But, um, but no, I would have been able to name four, and I think Mark will be able to name three. What's his name? Uh, Del did De- De- De Cruz no sign for Aston Villa. Yeah. Obviously, John McGinn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen Fletcher played for Villa. <laughs> no, he was Burnley. <laughs> he was Burnley. Honestly, that's the only two that I can think of right now. We've got two in our current squad. Squad. In our squad? That have yeah. been at Villa. No. I don't think either of them made a first He's played yeah. up, isn't it? Um, two in our current squad. Obita? No. Nah. Mm, could be here for a while. Fit. Oh, oh McCarthy. Yeah. I thought you were going to do that. I said, where did Fish play for it? I wouldn't have got Doyle Hazer McCurdy, I would have got Didier Agat and Grant Holt. Yeah, so the list is Jake Doyle Hayes, Harry McCurdy, John McGinn, Isaiah Osborne, remember him? Oh Christ, man. Uh, Grant Holt, Didier Agat, uh, De La Cruz and Des Bremner. I'm not too sure if that's the only... That's the only players that have played for both Hibs. I think someone in the replies mentioned... Cropley. Cropley. Um, but I couldn't Cropley imagine... and Joe Ward, apparently. I'm sure Cropley did play for Villa in the... Burridge. Must have been the late 70s. Did Burridge play for Villa? Let's look this up. John Burridge. Uh, let, me, let me tell you right now. He played, oh my God, he played for so many teams. Excluding, Mark, excluding John McGinn, who's your favourite out of that list? That's why Liam's looking at the full list. He did did play for Aston Villa, John Burridge. To be honest, a lot of them are either either pish or before my time, but I'm just going to go with Dela Cruz. Because he scored against Hearts? Aye, and because he's our record signer. Joint record signing now, if reports are to yeah. be leaked. Liam, what about you? Uh, Harry McCurdy. Of course. <laughs> Without a shadow of a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt, Harry McCurdy. But listen, Aston Villa. I, when See when you saw the teams that we could have got like put up against. I don't think there's a winnable tie there if if we manage to scrape through against Lutzerne. I don't. I genuinely don't think that there was a winnable tie out of any of the teams. I saw it, and the only team I wanted was Villa. I know. I said, I said the exact same before that. I would absolutely love if we do end up getting through. Villa will be incredible. Like that'll be one for the like the Yeah, one for the ages. Because uh, see, when it when it gets to that stage, and you're like, oh well, we're not going to beat any of these teams. You just want a a good trip. Villa Park, like just iconic stadium, like probably what? Actually, I, one of the, I would say one of the most underrated stadiums in English football. Yeah, we'll probably get a good, like a good 
allocation as well. Um, and like I said, we'll take a hell of a lot more than an allocation down to Birmingham. Yeah, absolutely. Right, we'll move on swiftly to our listener questions. Now it's time to answer the Hibs Ramble listener questions. So, first up, John McIntosh, what is for dinner? I had a creamy mash pie with veg. Um, yeah. Creamy yeah. mash pie with veg in, yeah. I was going to say what the veg was, but didn't bother. <laughs> you realise that we really don't care? Nah, nah, because it's not pasta, so you don't care. I didn't care when it's pasta either, to be honest, Sean. <laughs> Mark, what did you have? I had a wee bit of a twist on a, a, a gyros tonight. Why? Some chicken, and we, I made like a sauce. It was just like um, uh, Greek yogurt with like garlic and lemon juice and stuff like that. Oh, like tzatziki. Yeah, and then some um, sweet potato fries in the air fryer, and then some vegetables on the side. It was rather lovely, I have to say. I don't really like sweet potato fries, you know. Well, it was never... like we just cut up sweet potatoes into little cubes and put them in the air fryer, and they were quite nice. Ah. I've never, I've never really been able to get behind sweet potato fries. It's just I've I tried I've tried them a few times and I'm just like big fan. They look like chips, but you know when you eat them they're no chips. So they just taste sweeter than chips. Yeah, and who wants a sweet chip? Just put a bit of salt on it. No, if I wanted sweet chips, I'd have chips and sugar. Know what I mean? Simple as. It's really not very healthy. And what else is not healthy is the fact I'm having nachos for dinner tonight. I'm a I've got some fresh mozzarella that I'm going to uh, cut up and pop over, some sour cream, some guacamole. Um, I'm very much looking forward to it. And the jalapenos that I didn't put through my stoves last week. Uh, I'm going to put them on my nachos as well. That sounds delightful. Well, do you want me to send you a picture of it, Mark, when I've made it? Please. I'll put a picture in the ramble chat. Sean, you can, you can tell me what you think. See if it looks better than your mashed pie with vegetables and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Ali's asking, do you think a straight partnership would work better for us? Doidge and Adam LaFondra worked, uh, linked up well for the first goal yesterday. Would you like to see that tried from the start on Thursday? I wouldn't want it chosen ahead of a fully fit boil in Yuan. Mark, what was the question, sorry? Do you think a strike partnership between Doidge and Adam LaFondra would be something you'd like to see from the start on Thursday? Um, I don't really know. It's certainly like a, an interesting thought of potentially going to like a 4-4-2 with um, Boyle and Yuan playing you know, either side of midfield and then LaFondra and Doidge playing up top. It's certainly an interesting concept, but probably not on Thursday considering we're not used to that formation. I think we we might we might see a surprise or two come the time the lineup comes out on Thursday because obviously Lee Johnson and the scouting team will know a lot more about Lutzern and how they want to face up against them. So we might see a couple of surprises to try and combat the way that they play to then benefit us. So you know, it's it's difficult to really predict at this moment in time, especially against a team that you've never seen play before. Next up, Gav Dick. And listen, son, I'm not going to uh, slate your grammar here. He says, 
Well, a poor start to the league. Thoughts on Lee Johnson's tactics? Can't believe he's been here a year and he still doesn't know his best team. And his tactics are shite, in my opinion. I can't really disagree with any of that, if I'm honest, Gav. I think his tactics were were poor on Sunday, for sure, definitely. But I think, you know, there's been times throughout his his career at Hibs there, but I think that he's he's actually played played it perfectly and, and got his tactics spot on. You know, a manager at this level is never going to have perfect games every game. It's just a shame that we've kicked off the season on a on a negative note. Yeah, I don't even see like the tactics. Like I, I still a year in don't really understand what he's trying to get what he's trying to do, right? Because we've got, the, we've got the shape and the, the players to play like a lot like a lot down the wings and balls into the box yeah. and all that. But we don't often actually play that direct. So whether that's him not getting his message across or the players not doing it properly, I don't know. But still a year on, um, we still play a lot of the same stuff that we did under Jack Cross and Sean Maloney. So whether that's a personnel issue or it is just him not being able to get his message across. But yeah, I, I'm still failing to see his style of football. Yeah. Um, Doogie is asking, is it just me that thinks when Adam LaFondra came on, we were much better? Also, is Marshall's time up and the same for Lee Johnson? I think when Adam LaFondra came on, we did look like a better team. Um, obviously, he scored the goal, but I said it earlier, I think he's one of these players. He's got bags and bags and bags of experience. He's scored goals wherever he's been, and you know you don't have a, a career as long as his and scored as many goals as he has if you're not, one, a good goal scorer, but two, a good player anyway. You know, there's no point in us taking a punt on a 36-year-old Adam LaFondra. We don't think he's going to benefit the players around him. So I can I can completely agree that we did look better when LaFondra came on. Yeah, I liked us when we moved to two up front. And like what the first question said, that we could potentially have two strikers on Thursday. But I'm not, personally, I'm not a huge fan of 4-3-3. I don't like having two wingers and a striker in the middle unless... Like you play really direct down the channels, constantly spraying balls into a big striker, a big target man. I'm just not a huge fan of it. I much prefer having two strikers that can work off each other, like Dodge and Nisbet, or even Boyle and Nisbet, something like that. So that's why I think we look so much better when we had Dodge had somebody next to him that he could lay it off to, or that they could hold it up and Dodge could make the runs in. And you've seen it, Dodge assisting Lafondra uh, yep. for the first one, and then Dodge got his second. Yeah, Sean. What what about uh, the second part of Dougie's question? He says, "Is Marshall and Johnson's time up?" Well, I didn't want to see Marshall and goals at the weekend. Um, I was uh, surprised, to be honest. Very, very surprised. Um, I'm assuming the whole Murray Johnson recall is because we need to have three goalkeepers on the bench for the European game. But then again, just kind of feel bad for the lad. Do you know what I mean? I think is is the is the deal not that he comes back for now and then he goes back again? I would hope that is there's an agreement there or whatever. I would imagine so. I think it would be best for Hibs. It'd be best for Queens and it'd be best for Murray Johnson. I think just to get back to your your actual question, I would like I would have liked to have seen Boric play at the weekend. I don't I know 
the one goal that we conceded during, during the week was a really, really well-taken goal. Why are we then trying to rush Marshall back when if he's that important, Lee Johnson could have like just rested him, took the hit. No one would have backed an eyelid. Boric would have played. And then if he, Marshall was fit for this upcoming Thursday's game, he could have just played him then. And then again, no one probably would have batted an eyelid. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think slowly but surely Marshall's time is is you know dwindling away. Um, I think it came to an end a while ago. If I'm honest, I think the tail end of, of last season. I would I'm I don't want to see it happen, but I would be very interested to see what it would take for the board to get rid of Lee Johnson, because they ain't getting rid of him anytime soon. I think now, the vast majority of the support is Johnson out. I would probably go as far as to say maybe 70% of the support is 80%. Are you Johnson out? I'm neither here nor there now, if I'm honest. I just want Hibs to do well. I don't really care who's in charge. Um, But considering the amount of money that we've spent this summer, he ain't going anywhere, barring an absolute disaster. And even then, he had two or three disasters last season, didn't get sacked. So we'll see. I think Mark Mark has said that time and time and time and time again, we need the stability. And we're not going to get the stability by sacking a manager every year. You know what I mean? So ultimately, you also, also need it to be the right manager as well. Yeah. No, of, co- of course. Of Just course. But need it to be the right one. Ultimately, it's a results business. I know that's so cliche, but like it is a results business. And I said last season that this is the season where he needs to prove himself. He was never going to get sacked in the first season. He's had a full summer now to bring in his own players. The vast majority of the squad now is, is his players or players that he wants to keep around to fit into his team. So if if he still can't get the results, you know, and we still are really inconsistent and in going through spells of sort of five, six games out a win and flirting with sort of bottom six, that kind of stuff, you know, early exits from the Cups, things like that, then, you know, as much as I defend Lee Johnson and don't want to see him sat, there's only so much defending you can do. And at a big club like Hibs, you know, we should be fighting, you know, at least getting the hand in, at least, you know, fighting for top three. I don't think Aberdeen are anything special, and I certainly don't think Hearts are anything special. So we wasted a huge opportunity last season. All we needed was a little bit more consistency and we would have finished at least fourth. It would be such a shame now that, you know, it's it's not going to last very long. Third place getting guaranteed European football group stages. That, that, that'll be gone within the next couple of years because our coefficient is taking a beating. Mm-hmm. So it would be a shame for us to waste that opportunity to get into the group stages by not finishing third against, for me, pretty poor sides next to us. Yeah, absolutely. Next up, Lewis Connor says, what did you guys think of the overall performance? For me, a poor start to the league campaign and we weren't at it from the start and I feel Johnson is under pressure already. Also, can Mark confirm if he was in the Weatherspoons neck to Waverley after the game, as I'm sure we spoke? Uh, I was. I was in the Weatherspoons. I can't remember speaking to anyone, but um, I was in the Weatherspoons, so apologies. I was a little bit intoxicated. Well, you you must have spoke to Lewis. I'm sure Lewis will get back in touch and let us know what he's were talking about because he can clearly remember. I can't. I really can't. Uh, I, I don't remember. I can't. I don't think we would have had like a proper conversation because it's not like I can't remember the night. But 
must have just been like a wee passing comment. I don't know. Can't but please enlighten us. Seems probably, like probably been, oh, I bet he's going, oh, are you Mark for the ramble? And you're no, going, we never spoke. I, and you're I going, listen, nah, honestly, I'm trying to have a good night, mate. No, because I can't remember speaking to anyone about like the ramble of that, because I definitely would have remembered that. So I, I don't know if it was just like a wee passing comment or something. <laughs> I think we've covered uh, your first couple of points anyway, Lewis. So we'll move on to Jack Hibbs. And he says... Should we start the team that started the second half on Thursday? No, I can't remember what the eleven was that started the second half. I'd like but, to see. I'd, I would like to see a beater start, but I'd kind of want him to start ahead of Stevenson just for something fresh and for something different. Yeah, I think I'd that's love fair. to see us changing up the attacking line as well, rather than just going for that like sort of predictable two wingers and a striker. I'd love to see us going with two strikers and then maybe Boyle and Yuan little bit like in either side of midfield something like that like a 4-2-2-2 aye aye or even just a 4-4-2 a classic classic 4-4-2 that'll get us through in Europe Brexit ball aye exactly exactly things you love to see British football (laughs) Uh, Rudy has said can someone tell me why Marshall's being blamed for the goal lost the ball in midfield sloppy defending and not tracking the runner he lost out on the 1v1 can't blame him for for everything. Anyway, Johnson's decision making is absolutely questionable. Playing Boyle right back mostly. I think the goal he's talking about is his second goal. I don't think you can really attribute much blame to Marshall for that. I think that's a I mean Both that's not meant to keep clean sheets, no? No, but it's a defensive lapse. I know I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I mean he's not really got much of a chance when it comes down to it. Um should have done better for the third goal, IMO. For the third goal, I probably could have done better, but even still I think it's it's a very well taken goal and I mean you'd struggle to, I mean if he, even if he got a hand to it he'd struggle to keep it out um, and he's saying Johnson's decision making is questionable playing boil it right back mostly I mean we've gone over about 100 times a day his decision making is questionable at times but listen he is, he's trying to make the decisions that are going to have a positive impact there's absolutely no way Lee Johnson was sitting on the sitting on the sidelines there on on Sunday afternoon Talking to Jamie McAllister and go, listen, I'm going to put Jordan a beat on because I think it's going to it's going to make us shite. Like he's he's making the he's making the decisions, the hard decisions. Albeit he's not getting every single one of them right. He's not Pep Guardiola. He's not Jurgen Klopp. He's not uh, Tony Mowbray. So listen, he's he's not going to get all of these decisions right. But he's at least he's he's got the cojones to actually make the decisions, Sean. Correct. Pep Guardiola also didn't get it right the weekend. Because what did you do, Sean? You you sat in your house doing absolutely nothing. So what well, have you got to moan yeah. about? The team I support, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we've got Erlston Loon. And he says, uh, JDH, Newell and Campbell didn't work a year ago. They didn't work now. Who should be the midfield? Uh, do you know what? absolutely could not agree more with that statement and I've said that a million times before if you keep playing the same team that's let you down time and time again what what do you expect to happen that midfield three is the same midfield three or very similar that played under Jack Ross and Sean Maloney and they were rubbish together then and for me two out of three that midfield isn't good enough to be playing for Hibs in my opinion and it's Jake Doyle he's in well, together. Campbell. I think people like I can't actually say anything bad about Campbell because he does get a lot of goals. 
And you better not fair enough after the fact he gets bullied all the time. And but I, he's not for me. He's not a good centre midfield. Like he gets a load of goals, and that's great. Like that's obviously the name of the game. But he's not a good midfielder. So what do you do? Do you sacrifice those goals for a better midfielder, or do you keep him in knowing that he's going to get ran over every week? But he might chip in with a goal and a six 0 win. <laughs> Two goals. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> Sean, what do you think? It's hard to disagree. Hard to disagree. Don't you dare say anything bad about Josh Campbell, please. Please. He gets, he, gets, he gets bullied far too often, and the balance that we have and had had in the midfield for the last three years has been woeful. So, no wonder, even when we go to Tynecastle and play, when they've got two centre midfielders, they still, their two still walk over our three. Like, it doesn't matter where we go in Scotland. They are somehow, regardless of the fact that we have three individually better players than the majority of the league, as a collective, the balance is way off and we get overrun every single week. So who's, who starts then? Who's who's your midfield three? I've already said I would want someone either to sit deeper and then I'd want maybe two more attacking players and I'd want one of them to be Levitt. Levitt, Jago, Neil? Is a three? Is it, is it, is it any better than what, what we tried at the weekend is there? Why not? Why not? I'd probably say like Jago, Neil GDH, and then Levitt at the tip. As a midfield four, and then where's but where's your width coming from? Yeah, would you have Boyle and Ewan up front together? Mm, I don't know. Is I think that... a midfield three is probably the be- the the way that we're going to get the best out of the players. That we've got, especially having is what we have to do because we don't have two individually great midfielders that can do the the multitude of roles that we need to happen. So we need yeah, because I mean you could play Newell in there, but then you would probably need to have Jago in there as well, and Jago can't chip in with the same quality on the ball and ability that Joe Newell has, and then Joe Newell on the other hand can't chip in with the same quality and ability that Jimmy Jago does. That, that Jago has when it comes to breaking up play and being a more defensive-minded um, midfielder. So we can't win. I'm sure we'll find out a half-decent three through. No doubt we'll play the exact same midfield three. Josh Campbell, Joe Noel and GDH. I wouldn't be surprised if we play the exact same midfield. I wonder if we would play a midfield three of Joe Noel, Josh Campbell and Mark Duncan. Now that would be a bomb scare. Mark Duncan would do a lot of screening at the back line, like he's getting past them. Mark Duncan sits in the six, absolutely not a problem, Sai. And you could put Mile on the park yeah. and she would get past me. I think he'll be. She was trying. Yeah. She was trying to get on the park. By the way, I had her sitting on like the railings, um, at the west, and she was she kept trying to like go down. I was like, no, Mila, you'll get a football banning order. Did you take your parent at the football the weekend? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. He's raging because I came for him when he was like... Oh, we were talking about a midfield three. I'm not blaming Paul Hamlin. Oh, uh, I never had passes tonight. Ooh. Shut up, man, honestly. <laughs> nachos. Not even a dinner. A These nachos. What do you mean, scaff? Snack. Clean out your ears. Get a grip. Yeah, fucking... Asshole. Right, last question from Twitter, and then I'm moving on to your stupid Instagram questions. Harvey Scott says, Boyle looked miles off it. Do you think a backup winger is a priority for next signing? 
Mm. For me, no. I think a right back is the priority. And then after that, maybe cover for centre mid and then after that a winner. I'd say centre centre mid's a priority. A decent centre midfielder. And then I would I, I know we're not going there, but I would ship out a good few players in that team. I think there is players that are that are going to go. I mean I think a winger is probably a good shout given that we've seen Dan McKay move out on loan to Livingston. I mean I feel like we've kind of glossed over that completely. I, I know we probably wouldn't have got an awful lot of game time this season, but it's an, an option that we now don't have. Like when you when you think about it in wide areas, who've we got? Boyle, Yuan, Obita can play there, Melkerson can probably play there, McCurdy when he comes back. I mean, Tavares, chances are he's not going to get a game. Problem is they're all pish. That's exactly what I'm saying, is like why we do need someone who's going to come in because if Yuan or Boyle gets injured, then, you know, we're kind of fucked for that position. Mm-hmm. But no, I agree. I think the priority should be getting a good centre midfielder and, and also I think we should be looking at a right back as well. Cover for right back, just until Cadden's back fit, even alone till January. Who's Who would, like, start at left back? Why is Stevenson still starting at left back? I think, Obita's, I think Obita's been injured. So but that's he why... he come on and play right back at the weekend? No, he came on and played left left wing. Oh, did he? Aye, I'm sure he did. Well, we need to get somebody at left. I, like, I love Louis Stevenson, but he shouldn't He shouldn't be our starting left back. He does a job. He, he really does do a job, but... Listen, at the end of the day, how old is he, Sean? What, 34, 35? 36. 36? I mean... Oscar McIntyre needs to get games as well, and he's at the at the moment he kind of get a look in, so he's going to need a loan of some kind. I mean, obviously got rid of Sobraya, so I don't see what harm we have in putting Lewis Miller on the right and a beat on the left. They clearly both want to bomb forward, and then I think if we do that, we would then have to play somebody like Delphier or or Jago in the six, and yeah. I think on either one of them alongside a Newell and a Levitt might give us a better balance. But yeah, it would have been good if Boyle started at the weekend. You've you've got you've got it in for Martin Boyle at the moment, eh? Just got in for Hibs. You really do. Right. Chuck us on to your uh, Instagram questions. We'll rattle through them and then we will finish up with a little bit of fantasy football and then that'll be us for it this evening. Fantasy football, eh? Um Jack Gilly's got in contact via the Instagram, which was very nice of him. Um, why do we persist with the same poor players over and over again? And I think we can all agree on the fact that if we started discussing that, we'd be here all night, Jack. Um, Rudy then asked, and I don't know if it was the same Rudy that came on Twitter, Liam. You can either confirm or deny. Um, what midfield three would we play on Thursday, for me, it would be Levitt, Newell and Campbell. What kind of balance do you think that would give us? Do you think, give I us think it balance? would probably give us the same sort of balance that we had on Sunday. I think we need Jago in there. You know, I think Jago is the glue that holds it all together. You know, I know that he's, he's not the most technically gifted player, 
but he's a leader. I know Joe Newell's a leader, but he's a different kind of leader to Joe Newell. He's the he's the one who holds it all together. Let's Joe Newell play. Let's Campbell play. I would probably go with um, Jago Newell Levitt as a three. I think that gives us a good balance. Hmm. I'd probably say yeah, probably Jago Newell and Levitt, yeah, or Campbell. Unanimous for the boys. Glad we could agree on something tonight. Eh? <laughs> uh, James came in with the same thing as well, saying, "Why is it taking us? Why is it taking so long for managers to realise that those three don't work?" But Liam, you said earlier that manager has already came out and said that he's realised that and it won't happen, and he's went and done it again. So, and Mark's made a very good point: the fact that it probably will happen again. Um, David Jameson actually said he's got to go. What are our coaches doing? Looking that leggy is already concerning. <laughs> I mean, come on, David. It's it's game week one. We did look leggy, though. We did come, look very leggy. Come leg-o. back to us at game week twenty-one and see if you still feel the same. When we're rock bottom of the league, when <laughs> we're rock bottom and David Gray is in charge isn't it? on an interim basis till the end of the season. Not enough time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jack Nicholson's came in think, saying that we need to get obviously two up top for Thursday and he thinks Venti and Dodge would be the best option. If Venti's available, do you think we play with three up top or do you think we go with like a 3-5-2 and have the two up top like Lafondra and Venti? I think it would maybe be a little bit harsh on Dylan Venti to play him in the middle of a three on his debut in Europe in a game that we'd desperately need to win I really want us to adopt two strikers like not literally adopt two strikers but adopt the, the formation of having two strikers on the park and um, I <laughs> maybe that would be cheaper than buying them <laughs> a 3-5-2 is maybe a good shout but I would love to see if Venti comes in him playing with either Doidge probably Doidge or Lafondra and then having Boyle and, and Yuan as a, in a supporting role I thought Doidge was brilliant on Oh, as, as brilliant as he could have been in a 3-2 defeat yesterday. But that being said, if Venti's available and Venti's fit and he's ready to go, then get Venti and Adam LaFondra on up front as a, as a as a striker partnership. The worrying thing is I just don't think we're going to do that. I, I think he'll persist playing one striker and I just, I've never ever been a fan of one striker. I don't think Hibs have ever played well with one striker. And it's we just need to like, go for it. We need to go for it. We should maybe just surprise them and just go old school famous five. Lafondra, Venti, Doidge, Boyle and Yuan all up top together. Midfield three, Doyle, Hayes, Campbell and Newell. <laughs> Stevenson and Hanlon at centre half and David Marshall and goals. David Marshall and goals slash right back and left back. <laughs> Sweeper keeper. Uh, to finish us up, Callum McDonald. Loves an Instagram question and he's hit us with three again. Uh, wants us to rate Adam LaFondra's performance, which we've kind of already discussed. Seven out of ten. Go very well. Mark, giving it a score out of ten? Eight. Oh. And a half. Uh, similar to questions that have already been asked, he's then hit us with, surely Marshall is done now and we need to play the other goalkeepers before we go back to him so that's kind of touching on the point that I already made and that you guys have already made 
And last but not least, LJ has to change the defence and probably go to a back three like we did on the 27th minute um, and get Hanlon Stevenson out of the team as they're just too slow. If we, Mark, you mentioned a three as well. Um, if we were to get your wish and we were to go three at the back, I'm assuming Boyle would maybe be right wing back and Abita would maybe be left, I'm guessing. So who would your middle three be? Um, uh, probably Jago, Newell and, and either Levitt or Campbell. At centre half? Oh, sorry, I thought you meant my two or three. <laughs> um, centre half, it would have to be Wolfish, Paul Hanlon and... Rocky Bushiri. Or Harbottle. It's one of the two, isn't it? Um, Megua, out of the dark. Or, or go with, like, Del Fieri or Megua or something. But I, would, I certainly wouldn't play Rocky Bushiri. Lovely guy, but... Deary me. <laughs> Is that as uh, wrapped up for That's us wrapped up. That's us wrapped up. Well, listen, we are going to touch very, 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 very quickly on uh, how the Fantasy League looks for game week one. Uh, sitting pretty at the top of the table is at Hibby1875. Team name Hybees for Europe. A grand total of 73 points. I've just looked and they've got uh, Furuhashi has fetched 18 points in game week one which I think is incredible. Um, then second is El Bozo FC. Um, joint second, Will Fish, HSC. Then What's the Story, Ross McCrory. Uh, and then Sunny Eleven. And then Don't Mess With The Yuan uh, completes the, the top five. I don't know what your guys' team names are. Because I want to see where you are... Mine's is uh, Leith 7 Clothing because I had about half an hour to get in for the deadline. Right, Leith 7. I know Craig's is Viva La Ramble. He's 39th. I got uh, 52 points if that helps you in any way. And I had uh, Kyogo. So I got 18 points. So God knows where that's You got 52. So you're 37th. Uh, Mark, what's your team name? I'm not in it. Don't have one. Right, so I'm currently top of the Ramble leaderboard with 55 points. Well, you should do because it's the ramble. I'm top of the ramble leaderboard. Well, for the four of us, even though there's only three of us playing, 55 points. Then Sean on 52, and Craig on 51. Woo, five one. Woo. Um, but yeah, so there's. I mean, I think there's more than 70, 76 people here. It says it goes down to 76th, but there's people who are joint second and joint. Fifth and sixth and stuff like that. So, if uh, if you've not joined already, um, I think you can still join when the season's ongoing. Sean, I'm not too sure. Um, I can't confirm or deny because I don't like the Scottish one. I only downloaded it for the ramble. CTC, brother. CTC. Um, we'll tweet out the we'll tweet out the the league code again if you if you fancy getting involved. Like we said um, before it started. Um, the winner, I would say maybe the, the the top three will get will get some sort of Leith Seven prize come the end of the season. So yeah, I think that wraps us up completely. Uh, we've gone for an hour and twenty five minutes, just about. What he's going to be up to for the rest of the evening? 
I've started watching that uh, TV series from. So I'm hooked on that at the moment. So currently, been, uh, people Lee uh, enter this remote American village town thing, um, and shit goes on at night, and they can't leave. What's it on? It's Sky Atlantic, I think. Maybe give that a wee bash tonight. Mark, it's what are you up to for the rest of the evening? Probably go to bed soon. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough, lad. Fair enough. Right, well, boys, it's been an absolute pleasure again um, to spend the last hour and a half or so with you talking shite about Hibs, and we will catch you all next week. See you later. Cheers, cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Let's get ready to rumble.